This audio is a presentation of Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Hamill, South Dakota. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at hamillopc.com. That's H-A-M-I-L-L-O-P-C dot com. you please turn in your Bibles this evening to Genesis. We will be beginning at the very end of chapter 39 at verse 21. And then we will continue on through the entirety of chapter 40. Hear now the reading of God's holy and inerrant and inspired word. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in the custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. 
Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us pray. Father, as we come again to your word this evening, I pray that by your Holy Spirit you would ready our hearts to receive it, that we would see in this episode from the life of Joseph that uh, even though this life is in many ways difficult and we face hardships and trials and we may not understand them or know why, you remember your people and you are faithful to them. I pray that you would write this truth on our hearts and that you would ground it in the hope of the gospel that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, the last time we heard about Joseph, he was being thrown into prison under false pretenses. In the previous passage, he had become an honored and useful servant to Potiphar, a captain of the guard of the Egyptians. He was so effective at his duties that he had been placed in command of all of Potiphar's house. But as a young and handsome and competent man, Joseph drew the unwanted attention of Potiphar's wife, who repeatedly tried to seduce him. But Joseph was a righteous man. He did the righteous thing. Though facing great temptation day in and day out, and unable to escape it given his status as a slave. He never gave in. But Potiphar's wife continually denied the object of her lust, turned wrathful, and gave a false report against Joseph, and Potiphar had him thrown into prison. So what will happen to Joseph now? After a time of relative peace and ease and prosperity, despite his being a foreign slave in Egypt, he is now once again in a very difficult and dangerous situation. What will happen now? We will see God's continuing providence and provision and help towards Joseph, even in an Egyptian prison. We will see this tonight in four points. First, consolation in 39.21 through chapter 40, verse 8. Though Joseph is falsely imprisoned, God is with him and helps him yet again. God even brings two very important prisoners into Joseph's care to fulfill greater purposes. Then second, we see comfort in verses 9 through 15. Joseph, with the Lord helping him, provides good news to one of these prisoners. But third, there is calamity in verses 16 through 19 of chapter 40. Joseph gives very bad news to the other prisoner. And fourth and finally, completion in verses 20 through 23 of chapter 40. Everything comes to pass just as the Lord said through Joseph. 
So consolation, comfort, calamity, and completion, those are our points for this evening. First, we look at consolation in 39.21 through 40, verse 8. So Joseph has been cast into this Egyptian prison. Now we see these accounts in Scripture, these passages we look at side by side, and we think that all the events in them happen relatively quickly. But I want you to remember that at the time Joseph was sold into slavery, we were told that he was 17 years old. By the time he stands before Pharaoh, he will be 30 years old. Between his time as a slave and a prisoner, we're talking 13 years. The prime years of a young man's life, and his have been a time of sorrow and difficulty and trial that had nothing to do with any sin or error on his part. And yet, while Joseph's young life has been one of suffering and sorrow, God is still with him. We see that in verse 21 of chapter 39, where we pick up tonight, that the Lord was with, Jer was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Now, it might be strange here to see mercy applied to Joseph, as he is, by all accounts here, he seems to be an innocent man, suffering from no wrongdoing on his part, no fault of his own. Even in this, we have reflected on him before as a type of Christ and Christ's righteous suffering. But we must remember that a type is merely a type. Joseph is not Christ. We must remember the distinction between God and man. Even the most righteous among fallen sinful men earns and deserves no good, no blessing, no benefit at all, apart from God's grace and goodness and mercy. Even the most righteous man or woman born of Adam, if dealt with according to strict justice, would be, dealt, would be cast into the fires of hell forever. So though Joseph, as men go, seems to be a generally good and righteous man, perhaps the most righteous man we've seen so far in Genesis, he still lives according to grace. He still lives by faith. We see, though, that beyond spiritual blessing and favor, God shows temporal favor to Joseph, even in the hardship of prison. God gave Joseph favor in the sight of the jailer. Just as he did in Potiphar's house as a slave, as a prisoner, Joseph rises to a position of influence and authority in the prison. God has allowed Joseph to succeed. He has protected him and provided for him even in a hard place. Now, in a way, I think this text can be convicting to us. We are often very concerned with having our peace and our ease and our comfort and having the best lives that we can in this world. When bad things happen to us, we can enter a state of despair and doubt but God does and can work and help us and use us even in the hard things, even as we remain in them and continue to go through them. We need to keep this in our minds as we face a world that's ever more hostile to Christianity. We might be heading for a world and not very long where to be a faithful follower of Christ is to be an outcast and an outlaw in the sight of the world or worse. 
Just this week, we saw a man who destroyed a satanic monument in Iowa. He was charged with a felony hate crime. In Montana, also this week, a family had their daughter taken away by the state because they would not affirm her transgender delusions. Another case of men and women who protested at an abortion clinic were handed harsh and long prison sentences. All of that in the last week. The price of following Christ is increasing daily, and we may be called upon to follow Christ into imprisonment and slavery and other such hardships. But God remembers his people and is with them and for them even in the hardships. And we see that here with Joseph. God orders even the foreign prisons for his glory and for the good of his people. So Joseph rises to this position of authority in prison because God was with him and helped him. But that is not all that God does. We see that as we turn to chapter 40, God brings a couple of unique prisoners under Joseph's care. Somehow, the butler and the baker of Pharaoh managed to cross him. And the thing about monarchical governments is that if you cross the king, if you upset him, he can toss you into prison, or worse, with just a word. Now, the butler in other translations is referred to as the cupbearer. It seems that his particular duty was to be responsible for Pharaoh's wine, for Pharaoh's drinks. And the baker would be responsible for Pharaoh's bread, his baked goods, part of his food. Now, these are important jobs, providing the king's food and drink. They probably had to be highly capable at their jobs. In order to do them in the service of the king, they had to be able to do them up to royal standards. But somehow these two found themselves on the outs with Pharaoh, and so they were placed into prison. Specifically, they were placed in prison under the captain of the guard where Joseph served. This captain of the guard, a different one from Potiphar, who we saw before, puts these prisoners under Joseph's jurisdiction and care. We see that while they are in prison, the butler and the baker each have dreams. But these were not the usual sort of dreams. They were of the sort that very clearly meant something. The text said that these dreams had interpretations. Now, there also are some parallels between them. And they happen on the same night. And they seem to involve certain details about the men who had them. This is clearly not an accident. This is something from God. Now, dreams historically have meant bad things for Joseph. It was his dreams back in the land of Canaan that stirred the resentment of his brothers such that they turned on him and sold him into slavery. These dreams were from God. They did speak the truth of things to come, but they also ended up creating difficulty and hardship for him. But just as dreams from God were a part of what got Joseph into this predicament, they will also be part of the means to get him out. Joseph has been given from God a particular gifting, a particular supernatural insight into dreams and matters of dreams, both of his own and of others. So Joseph is doing his morning prisoner checks, 
He finds that the baker and the butler are troubled. Something is clearly bothering them. He wanted to know why. They tell him that they have each had dreams and that there is no one to interpret them. But Joseph, who despite all he has undergone in his trials in Egypt, remains stalwart in his faith, articulates his faith in his response. He says, do not interpretations belong to God. Joseph still believes in God as the sovereign of all things, including dreams. This even after the dreams in Canaan brought him into this hardship. He still knows that God is almighty and God is in control and God is faithful to his people. And if there is an interpretation to be had for these dreams, surely the Lord will provide it if he wills. So Joseph tells them to tell him of the dreams. So first we will hear the dream of the butler. This brings us to our second point. After consolation, we come to comfort in verses 9 through 15 of chapter 40. So the butler described from his dream a vine with three branches. These branches bud and bear fruit and bring forth ripe and good grapes. And he, being the cupbearer, had Pharaoh's cup in his hand. So naturally he picked the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and took them to Pharaoh. And then Joseph, seemingly without hesitation, once he hears the dream, has the interpretation from the Lord. He says that the three branches symbolize three days. In three days, Pharaoh was going to let the butler out of prison and give him his old job back. He uses this language of, lift your head. This was something of a symbol of restoration from a position of shame, a position of estrangement and disgrace. And this is good news. This is probably exactly what that butler wanted to hear. But Joseph, recognizing what this means, that this dream and its interpretation are from the Lord and will come to pass, he detects an opportunity. And so he asks the butler for some help, starting in verse 14. He asks the butler to mention to Pharaoh, once he is restored, his plight, his situation. Now this is the closest we get to a complaint from Joseph about the difficulties and sufferings he faced in Egypt. He tells the butler that he was stolen from the land of the Hebrews. This was true. His brothers engaged in an act of kidnapping, of man-stealing, taking Joseph away from his father's house and sending him to this affliction in Egypt. Joseph also mentions that he is in this prison on false pretenses, that he has done no crime deserving this current position. This is also true. It was the lying and the plotting of Potiphar's wife that landed Joseph in this prison. Now, it is not as though Joseph is doing anything inappropriate in asking for this favor. Just as God had brought Joseph to Egypt and has looked out for his good there, just as God has by supernatural revelation given Joseph the interpretation of this dream, God has brought someone from the king's court who has the king's ear into Joseph's presence. Just as God gives Joseph the revelation of the dream, God inclines the heart of Joseph to ask the butler to speak to Pharaoh on his behalf so that he might have an opportunity to be freed from prison. 
Now we will see a little later what the butler does or fails to do, at least for now, concerning Joseph. But we have remaining this matter of the baker's dream. So this brings us to our third point, calamity, in verses 16 through 23. Sorry, not 23, 16 through 19. The baker hears Joseph's interpretation of the butler's dream and that it is of good things, so he decides that he wants to take such a chance with his. Now, why does he only turn to Joseph for the interpretation once he hears that the butler's dream was good? Perhaps the baker was concerned that his dream might not be so good. The content of it, once we hear it, is certainly more grim and more dark. Also, given the ultimate result of it, perhaps the baker is not an honorable man. Perhaps he is some sort of evildoer who is really guilty of some crime, and he knows that he deserves bad things. was possible. Those who labored in such positions of proximity to kings were often prone to plots and corruption. Just as an example, one who has the ability to make the king's food or drink has the opportunity to slip something in there that shouldn't be there, poison or something of the sort. This is why, for instance, the cupbearers, like this butler, typically would have been required to take a drink themselves of whatever they brought before giving it to the king. But also because of this, if they proved themselves capable, they typically became trusted men, trustworthy advisors to the king. Because if they weren't trustworthy, they wouldn't have the job. Just as one example, another biblical cupbearer is Nehemiah who served as the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And he was able to use his position of favor and confidence before the king to obtain aid and help for restoring Jerusalem. And he's allowed to go undertake that work. So whatever disagreement there was between Pharaoh and his cupbearer could and would be forgiven in three days' time. But what about the baker? So he tells Joseph his dream. He was carrying three white baskets on his head full of all kinds of baked goods. Seems like a reasonable enough situation for a baker to be in. But unlike the cupbearer who was able to complete his task, able to successfully deliver the goods to Pharaoh, the baker encountered a problem. The birds came and ate the baked goods out of the baskets on his head before he could deliver them. Certainly not an encouraging sign. And Joseph, again, without hesitation, is given the interpretation from the Lord and relays it to the baker. Just as the three branches on the vine were three days, the three baskets were three days. But we see this play on words from what was told to the cupbearer. The cupbearer's head would be lifted up. The baker's head would be lifted up too much. It would be lifted clear off of him. He would be hanged. He would be executed. And just as the birds ate the baked goods in the baskets in the dream, the birds would eat the baker's flesh. It is a grim and gruesome picture. So now that we have seen these dreams and their interpretations in the text, will they come to pass as Joseph said? And what will this mean for Joseph? Well, this brings us to our final point. 
After consolation and comfort and calamity, we come to completion in verses 20 through 23. So that third day comes. As it turns out, that day was Pharaoh's birthday. So he wanted to have a birthday party and invite all of his servants. And we then see brought to pass what Joseph foretold. He brings the butler and the baker out and lifted up their heads. Yet he does so for different reasons. He lifts up the butler's head to reinstate him, to give him his job back. But he lifts up the baker's head to pronounce on him a sentence of death, to lift his head off of him and to hang him. God's word given through Joseph proved true, even for these pagan Egyptians in the court affairs of their nation. God is sovereign over all and continues to order the world, even the pagan nations, for the good of his people. But there remains one unresolved matter, the matter of the favor that Joseph asked of the butler for when he was restored, to mention Joseph and his plight to Pharaoh so that something might be done about it. Now, you might think, given everything that has happened in our text thus far, how God has supernaturally revealed the dream to the butler and the interpretation to Joseph, and how everything has gone exactly as Joseph prophesied, that the butler would be quick, he would be anxious to get a hearing for Joseph. This is a man of God with supernatural power. He's somebody that is worthy of the attention of the king. But guess what? The butler forgets. He does not tell Pharaoh of Joseph's plight. And Joseph, as it might seem, is forgotten again, at least as it pertains to men. In fact, the opening of chapter 41 says that it would be two more years before Joseph would be heard from again. We don't know how long he'd already been in prison. We know that between his time of slavery and imprisonment, it was a combined 13 years, it would have been 11 years at the time of this event, because it will be 13 at the end. Now imagine you are Joseph in that situation. You think that perhaps God has moved in such a way that all the evil and injustice done to you will finally come to an end. And then it is, at least for now, all for naught. I mean, Joseph probably never even heard anything more after the butler left the prison. I mean, he was a prisoner. He wouldn't be able to get news from the outside. Wouldn't be able to send a reminder to the butler saying, hey, remember what I told you about? That probably had to be hard. That probably had to be excruciating. Had to be a great test of Joseph's patience and resolve and faith to be so close to think that maybe your suffering and sorrow was at an end, only to find that, at least for two more years, it would be for nothing. But while the baker has forgotten Joseph, or the butler has forgotten Joseph, God has not. Joseph is not going to get out of jail yet, but the seed has been planted. God has ordered things such that in his good timing, Something will happen in the house of Pharaoh that will jar the butler's memory two whole years later. And this will be the means, finally, that God will use to deliver Joseph from this prison. So what does all of this tell us? 
Well, one thing we can certainly learn and ought to learn from this is that God is working in our hardships. We go through trials and we typically desire and pray to be delivered from those trials. But perhaps it is not God's will to deliver us from our trials, or at least not just yet. Perhaps there is some sanctifying effect that they are yet to have on us. Perhaps God will not deliver us from our trials in this life at all. Perhaps even they will get worse. Perhaps even they will kill us. But we can, in the midst of our trials, have hope. Why is that? Because ultimately we will be delivered from our trials, even if our deliverance comes through death. Joseph never knew if he was going to get out of this prison. Given who he was, a foreign slave, given the nature of his accused crime, they probably would have been content to let him rot in there for the rest of his life. Now God had other plans and would eventually deliver him, but he had no reason to expect that. Because, but just as Joseph suffered for sins he never committed, Christ came and kept the law perfectly. He was a perfect and righteous man, more righteous than Joseph, more righteous than anyone, and yet he suffered. He was persecuted. His enemies skipped right over imprisonment and slavery and went straight to crucifixion. They killed him. And yet, just as Joseph would one day be raised out of that prison, Christ was raised from the dead. And he has now ascended to the Father where he lives as the mediator and advocate for his people. Just as God will use Joseph to save his people from a coming calamity, Christ saves God's people from sin and final judgment. Those who by faith receive Christ need not fear life or death or any of the trials of this world, any of the sorrows and sufferings. Because even if they don't go away, Christ is with us, Christ is for us, and Christ will bring us safely into his presence at the end. That is our hope, even in the dark days, even in the undeserved suffering we may go through in this life. We can have hope. We can keep faith, just as Joseph did, even in these dark times, even after 11 years in prison that he had nothing to do prison and slavery that he had nothing to do with getting himself in, Joseph still believed that God was with him and God was for him, and we can have that kind of hope and confidence too. So may we all have that hope and confidence tonight. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and care for us. Though in this world we have many troubles, we face many difficulties, we suffer often even undeservedly. We suffer because of falsehood, because of the bad deeds of others. We know that you are with us and you help us and ultimately you will set all things right. You will restore to us the years that the locusts have eaten, as you promise in your word. And so I pray that as we face the difficulties of this life, you would uh, confirm us and strengthen us and 
put ever in our minds and in our hearts and on our lips the hope that we have in Christ, so that even if we suffer in this world, we suffer not as those who don't have hope, but that you would be glorified even in our sufferings, just as we have been saved and we have been delivered through the suffering of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation of Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Hamill, South Dakota. For more information, you can visit our website, hamillopc.com. That's H-A-M-I-L-L-O-P-C dot com.